0: listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. We haven't started with current events in a while. Oh god. So all right ready let's break it down. Uh, New York is underwater. Much of the east coast is underwater. (laughs) New Orleans is also underwater. Yeah. No power. Um, Texas. You can't get an abortion. Um, Uh, after six weeks which is basically like you just can't get an abortion you just straight up would not know
1: uh yeah and also for non-american listeners um you could spend 10 hours driving in the state of texas and still be in the state of texas so it's very hard to go other places yeah when you live in the state of
0: texas yep um Uh, what else so uh (laughs) the united states withdrew from afghanistan after 20 years for 20 years which is cuckoo bananas but like
1: we're gone for real which is such a crazy crazy thing to comprehend yeah because that's been more than half my life
0: uh it's been the more but, than two-thirds of your life more yes. than two-thirds of my life yep insane how's everybody doing that's what i want to know does anybody else have current uh, events from their country that they want to update us on? We'll share them on the next podcast. I promise.
1: Sometimes I think about like the length of time that Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire" covers. Yeah. Like all of the world events, and I'm like, again, the you could fill an entire "We Didn't Start the Fire" with like two months of of world events from starting 2020 onward. Yeah. And probably before that because like yes, ter- crazy things were happening all the time.
0: It it just seems that we're like an exponential increase. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I will say, uh have you ever seen that tweet that's like Billy Joel's rock and roll for theater kids? No, but they're right. I hate it because it's about me. Like I'm in this picture <laughs> and I don't like it. Um I I love Billy Joel. Oh. Yeah. Big fan. I love Billy Joel. Vienna came on my uh, shuffle the other day, and I had to stop for a second to be like, am I going to listen to this and just openly weep in Target, or am I going to switch songs? It is
1: crazy <laughs> the way that you could be having a completely different vibe, and then the first little do of yeah. Vienna is like, oh no. Yeah.
0: Okay, can I just say... I, I'm not trying to have nostalgia for times that were just as shitty and awful because like, sure. I think that a lot of golden uh, age nostalgia comes from not understanding just how crazy the world events were happening then. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, things were simpler. No, they weren't. They were just, you didn't know the internet, so you didn't know everything that was happening. True. Anywho, the idea of uh, taking the phone off the hook and disappearing for a while is like, I- You can't take the phone off the hook anymore.
1: Yeah. On the one hand, my mom is always like, yeah, when I was in college, I used to just tell my mom I was going to be gone for the weekend and she couldn't contact me and like they just had to deal versus I could say that, but then if I didn't check in at the end of the day, everybody would be like, where are you?
0: Oh, I didn't really have that. Where are you? No. Um, Although uh, the thing about like my parents is my parents are boomers, so they are both like, yeah, you just let your kids do <laughs> take care of themselves which like made me really independent <laughs> yeah. which is maybe why i'm so desperate to take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while i'm like well my mom <laughs> like obviously they checked in on me they i was not left alone for like serious yeah. things but like
1: no but i feel like okay also i feel like the there's been an increase in panic mm-hmm. recently um also okay the other thing about that is that like it, you know during a long time of the cold war People were really just walking around being like, we could die at any moment. And we wouldn't fucking know.
0: Oh, my gosh. That that was the attitude. Crazy story uh, from my mom, actually. Um, My parents grew up in Kansas. Well, my mom grew up in Kansas and my dad grew up everywhere. But my mom grew up in Kansas and in Kansas, uh, you get really horrific ice storms in the winter. And this was the height of the Cold War. Um, So we're talking like mid-70s. And um, she had, like, been learning about, like, Russia and stuff in school and then woke up one morning, like, she was the only person in her room and she shared a room with her sister, so that was weird. And she looked outside and everything was white. And she was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Russia (laughs) bombed the United States. I'm the last person alive on Earth. And she was, like, just sat in bed. She was freezing cold. She's, like, I'm the last person alive on Earth. And eventually I think her dad came upstairs and was like, Mary Corey, there's a snow day. We had an ice storm. The power's out. Come play with your siblings outside. The whiplash, yeah, <laughs> the emotional whiplash of that moment. She really thought she was the last person alive on Earth. Anyway, you know how that—that's that's a little bit how like COVID felt, right? Like we were the last people alive on Earth when you're stuck in your house. Yeah. yeah well, especially
1: like because you and I both left for the suburbs yeah. and. Um, driving around
0: and like being the only car
1: on the road at two in the afternoon being like what the fuck is is this
0: wow it's been a while since we had a quick download of what's been happening in
1: the world because not that we don't care it just had not been happening at such breakneck speed
0: yeah yeah recently it's funny i i it's sometimes i think well that stuff dates this podcast when we talk about it and now i'm like no it's like a really crazy time capsule for like our lives over the past few years just
1: imagine all of the podcasts that were happening pre-2016 election and how dated they all sound because we all thought that that was fucking ridiculous
0: oh my god well do you remember how many podcasts put out episodes being like a quick reaction (laughs) to you know what happened we just want to extend our thoughts and like earnest i get it but mm-hmm. now it's like hmm, that was unhelpful no nope. thanks for your thoughts um anyway we're about to share a lot of our thoughts because you are listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf after getting through <laughs> whatever the hell that just was. My name is Christian
1: and I'm Julia
0: and we're ready to rock and roll. We are, have watched um what is kind of a famous episode of Teen Wolf. I think a lot of people noted it as one of their favorite episodes of season 6. Um definitely one we were really looking forward to. Oh, so fun. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because it as much I I sort of remembered this as being a sort of other than episode, like slightly different. From the teen wolf structure, but I actually think it's been the most teen wolf of the episodes that we've seen this far this season, but it did not prevent me from enjoying it or being like, this is a great episode.
1: Uh, but also, it's just like, it being the most teen wolf doesn't, that's not a bad thing. Like, no. it is a compliment
0: in a way. Well, you know, sometimes things that are the most teen wolf, like, what are the things that make it the most teen wolf? Um, really quick scenes, mm-hmm. multiple storylines, not just an A B plot, A B C D plot, which this one had. Yeah. Um, which we don't always love. But yeah. I was having a good time. High, high concept, low execution. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but and it, and it is weird because um, coming off of the last episode, which we really, really liked and yeah. thought was constructed so, so well. It's not that this one wasn't constructed as well. It just kind of was a return to form. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of just interesting to have those two in juxtaposition Um, especially
0: because i think we both went into them thinking it was the opposite way around yeah definitely but we watched uh season six episode six ghosted
1: yes it was written by angela harvey and directed by russell mulcahy dream team dream team
0: and i really was like well one the water the water but i think that (laughs) i think of all of the writers who juggle those a b c d plots angela often delivers the best um versions of those i would agree Angela, we're on a first name basis. Um, we love you. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think think that this was a good, it felt not like early Teen Wolf, but like you said, a return to form. But before we can get too deep into our discussion, we do have to do our 60 second recap. And you are going first. That is just like, I mean, I can't, like, why I suggested that you, this is how we did our recap. When you we did. planned how we did this podcast, when we planned it, I just never anticipated that I would one day have to do a 60-second recap, you know? Well, if it isn't the consequences of your actions. Oh God, the problem with my actions is that every single one of them has consequences. I never do anything that just like settles. You know, that that I think is just like being human. So I legit you know. thought you were gonna be like, Yeah, that's just you. It's a you problem.
1: <laughs> And not unique to the, like, not just part of the human experience. Um, okay. Well, unfortunately we are at that time again where you are going to have to recap this episode. Um, so I'm going to give you a minute Mm Mm-hmm
0: uh, starting right now. So Lydia does it through the looking glass and sees like Kanan disappear, but then sees this lady left behind. And then Scott tries to tell the sheriff about styles and he like does not want to listen. And then Leah and Lydia plan their trip to Hayden and then Hayden and plan their trip to K- Kanan. And then Hayden and Liam scheme about like trapping a ghost with a lightning rod. And then Melissa checks on Chris and he's getting like poisoned by the ghost goo. And then they scheme to get him out of the hospital so he doesn't get worse. And then Scott and Malia and, uh, Lydia arrive in Kanan and everything is like still left in the party. But it's all totally overgrown and everything is from 1987. Uh, uh, Malia hallucinates the body of her mom and her sisters and th- then Theo killing her. Hayden and Liam make out a little bit and then go to try to steal some stuff from the supply closet and then find Douglas who's like the Nazi wolf and they're like uh, have you heard about the ghostwriters? He's like I've seen them and then he like fakes this whole thing like oh well I'll help you and you help me and they're like okay and then anyway they uh, back in Canaan uh, Scott and hallucinates his mom and then they see a little boy and they try to follow him and then they end up in this lady's house and her name is Lenore and then Melissa and Chris are in the laundry room and Chris is like there are nine herbs that can save my life and here's what they are but they're only in Celtic and Melissa's like this is so- so much harder than it has to be and then Scott and malia get separated oh my gosh that's time okay where did i get in that episode a quarter of the way through uh, i'd say a third okay which is more than a quarter there's just so you much know. happening
1: there is um also the Kanan hayden thing really really me. was um, i have
0: the word canaan and hayden Um, in my notes right next to each other. And anybody who's ever met me knows that I'm not great at talking.
1: Uh, crazy that that's what you do for a living. Insane
0: because I have the worst mush mouth. But here's the thing about acting. The words are on the page and then you memorize them and then you say them. Um, this is off the cuff. And again, I got a mush mouth. I mean,
1: in theory, the words are also on the page okay well i
0: thought you're gonna say in theory acting is also off the cuff <laughs> and i was like don't give me notes
1: it is reacting um, um i literally hate it, i know you do that phrase um, um anyway i don't have faith that i'm gonna do any better but we'll
0: try well tr- I'll you know try. what that is what we're here to do i legit <laughs> think like what is the goal of this podcast to try to try <laughs> to try okay so julia you have a minute on the clock to try <laughs> and do better than me at the 60 second recap
1: on your mark gets set go okay so lydia goes through the mirror to canaan back in time when the wild hunt came through and then scott tries to convince the sheriff that styles is real but he doesn't believe it the big pack is like well we're going to go to canaan and the baby pack is going to stay behind and try to catch a ghost rider chris isn't healing because of the whips and melissa has to break him out because he's going to go into surgery the big pack makes it to canaan there's like no one there and it's frozen in 1987 malia hallucinates her dead mom and sister and theo and like theo shoot her. Liam and Hayden find Mr. Douglas in the teacher's lounge and he saw the writers and he's plotting to capture them as well. Scott hallucinates Melissa with like a wound in her head but then they all see this little boy and they uh, run after him. Melissa hides Chris in the laundry and they plot to collect the nine herbs for supernatural ailments. Um, They meet the very chipper Lenore um, who is the one that Lydia saw in the mirror. Chris passes out before telling uh, Melissa the final secret. The baby pack plots with Mr. Douglas and they're going to go get Theo to help them out because he can control the lightning technically I guess. Malia uh, during the gross lemonade and they start asking one of her questions about lemonade so she freaks out Mm, they start asking her questions about canaan and she freaks out and traps them melissa is panicking because she doesn't really know how to put all these
0: together and chris has passed out oh i will say you got so much farther than me and actually i thought you were going to make it all the way through but something caught you in the middle where you just like hit a wall um you know the lemonade the lemonade.
1: <laughs> the lemonade. I was just really, really thinking about it. You know what this reminds me of what? is like when you had to go to class and you did like half the reading
0: yeah! Okay. <laughs> Can I just say like weird, like absolute, like this is, it's not even a humble brag. It's just a brag. I will be the best person in class discussion regardless of whether or not I've done the reading.
1: Uh, yeah. That's how you get away with not doing the reading. Yeah. I
0: never, I well, there's a couple things that I read and I, and I knew that they were important. So I read in like high school and college, but then some stuff I'd be like, well, there were some books where I would look at the price tag on the book and be like, Yeah, I can do without that. Like, I had a $400 textbook once, and I was like, oh, I won't be buying that. And I did fine in the class. I got an A. A $400 textbook.
1: Yeah. The American college system, a disaster.
0: But anyway. um, Well, I mean, think about the fact that, like, there are kids who went to, like, private school in, who had to pay for their books. Like, in private school, you don't get your books. Like, in high school, you don't get your books, um like loan to you. That's weird. Yeah. So like, that is weird. Blessed be that we went to public high school. But usually
1: like books that you get, uh, I mean, they're textbooks, but like, you know, buying a copy of to kill a mockingbird is going to set you back. What? 12 bucks. <laughs> no, but like you, you didn't yeah. have a
0: shitload of textbooks to carry around. I
1: did, but you know, up to a certain point. Yeah. Like when I got to history, um, I had to, I had to buy Henry Kissinger's diplomacy, which is a book you could beat someone to death with. And
0: it only cost $30. <laughs> I had uh, like monster textbooks for my history class. Uh, Massive things. Yeah. yeah. But anyway,
1: um, the embarrassing thing is that we sit down and we watch it together and then we immediately podcast.
0: So it's like we did the reading and we went immediately to class. And yeah. every time we're like oh, it's like when you knew you kinda had to do a little bit of the reading. So you're sitting in the hallway, like being like, Oh my god, class starts in two minutes. It starts, I got another minute, I got oh, I'm just gonna be a minute late, you know? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's us doing the podcast pretty much um we say as if either of us have been in <laughs> academia for what five years three yeah but it's
1: back mm-hmm. to school season it, it makes me sad it is
0: it totally is should i get a master's degree no okay all right anyway so we're gonna talk about this episode through the theme of desperation uh which is exactly the feeling that makes you ask should i get a master's <laughs> degree yeah it's okay here's
1: Wolfpack, if you have completed your undergrad degree and you are sitting around asking yourself, should I get a master's degree? Go get an ice cream.
0: Go get an ice cream. <laughs> go get an ice, yeah. ice cream. Do some yoga.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally anything to distract you from asking yourself that question. Because sometimes the right answer will be yes. But nine times out of ten, no.
0: Or you end up on the other side of a global pandemic with three friends in law school. So, you know. So go go get an ice cream first. Yep. Anywho. So we're talking about Desperation. Everybody in this uh, episode is, like, doing the rest, you know? Well, because they're all just
1: kind of going off of, like, hunches. Hunches. Basically.
0: Or it's just sort of, like, they really don't have anything else to go on. Because, you know, we talked about belief in the last episode. And at the beginning of this episode, Scott's like, sure, we talked to Styles and he's like, no, you didn't. And they're like, <laughs> okay, well, then I guess plan B is we didn't have one. So um, it's it's interesting how it plays off the last episode. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Where would you like to start?
1: Um, I kind of want to start with um, the baby pack.
0: Okay. Because. Where was Mason?
1: Where was Mason? Where was Corey? Um, not that I particularly want to see Corey, but like where were they? Um, something I find so interesting about the, um, objectives of the baby pack in this particular episode is that it leads them to do two things. It leads them to wildly misplace their trust in Mr. Douglas
0: mm-hmm. just
1: randomly without thinking literally at all yeah, about the consequences of bringing yet another adult into the fold. Um, Which I just can't, I can't even believe.
0: It's banana bread to me that after, (laughs) it's banana bread to me that after season five, they're not wary of every person they interact with. Literally. Literally. And... There's no, like, (laughs) litmus test for trust for some reason for these guys. Well,
1: you know, he's a blonde, handsome man who happens to teach physics, so he must be trustworthy, Well, I will say the
0: reason why they trust these people is because they have not met Peter.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah. And they have no memory of Peter. Um, But they really do just, like, bring him into the fold. And then. And then. In another act of desperation, they decide that they're going to bring Theo back.
0: Whomst I missed, actually, so I'm happy he's there. Well, it's actually funny because we have been dunking on season five, Um, but when Theo shows back up, I was like, oh, you weren't the problem. I'm enjoying seeing you here. I like the dynamic.
1: Yeah. Was not the problem at all. There were so many many things to be, that could have been likable in season five. Yes. Um,
0: But you're right. I mean, like, they are acting totally erratically, and- as Theo says, like, you know, Scott's not part of this plan, is he? And we have another case of Scott getting frazzled and then just, like, leaving Liam on his own, being like, all right, buck up, kid. And I don't think that Scott thinks that Liam is going to get into trouble while he's Can- in Canaan. But all of a sudden, like, you know, Liam doesn't have anybody else to bounce ideas off. I think leaving Mason out of this episode was strange because it was weird to not see him in that group, but also, like, kind of, um like story wise smart because Mason would be like we're not bringing that guy back remember how he turned me into the beast yeah yeah so we all of a sudden um we leave Liam without a lot of answers and except for Hayden and um the thing about teenagers in love is that they're basically just like enabling machines yeah i don't um
1: i don't mean this in any way as an insult but when you've got a himbo and a bimbo trying to work on she a is not a bimbo
0: she is not a bimbo no, she's she like is, a shim bim she's
1: not particularly smart though like no. neither of them are they're no. both just kind of going off of well this plan seems like maybe it would work and liam i think in like the past couple of episodes has been um gifted with this perhaps unearned sense of confidence
0: It is the confidence (laughs) of
1: a mediocre white man. Um, A very tiny mediocre white man at that. A pocket (laughs) quince. But you know i i kind of understand the um impulse to like pretend to act with authority because like if you look like you know where you're going people will just assume that you know where you're going
0: yeah that's why people always ask me for directions (laughs) i walk with such purpose they're like this girl probably knows street names and you're like i actually don't i really don't i don't Yeah. yeah Um, but I had somebody <laughs> stopped me for directions in Ann Arbor once and I was wearing my hat that says Michigan dad <laughs> and he stopped me. He's like, Hey, can you tell me how to get to the, and then he stopped and he started laughing and he goes, you're not a dad. I'm going to go ask a real dad for directions. Incredible. I hope that yeah. man found a real dad. Uh, no, he was like, actually, can you tell me how to get to, I think he was asking me to the hospital and I directed okay. him. okay. Yeah. It didn't Um, seem urgent, for the record. I am always, like, so afraid of
1: giving directions because I don't want to give the wrong directions that normally I will just err on the side of, I don't live here.
0: (laughs) If if I'm in Ann Arbor, I can get you to the hospital. If I'm anywhere else, don't look at me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know anything about where I am currently. Yeah. No matter how long I've been there. Yep. Um, Yeah, but Liam... You're right. I mean,
0: I think you're right. I think desperation is also another thing that inspires that like, well, I just have to do it myself type of attitude, which is why he's, you know, decided to take on this authority. It's why he's taking a massive risk. Nishiko also taking a massive risk, but also being like, by the way, I'm not to blame for this and you cannot call me. Um, in bringing Theo back, you know, mm-hmm. it's well, also interesting to me that like, they're not looking for other options.
1: They're not looking for other options. And they're also not looking at like the potential consequences of their actions. Um, because when Theo comes back and is unable to perform the specific task that they resurrected him for, um, they have to abandon their plan entirely. Yeah, And the fact that neither of them thought about the consequences of whether or not Theo would actually be able to do that. Crazy.
0: Well, I also will say, like, as we know, Teen Wolf has done nothing intelligent to engage in the concept of the afterlife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But presumably, Theo is in some kind of underworld. And they never for one second think about, you know, the time-honored trope of things returning from the dead othered. Mm-hmm. Like, something's, something's wrong, wrong, something's yeah. dark. So, and, like, Theo is already, like... <laughs> oh you know whatever pedestrian evil (laughs) pedestrian (laughs) evil (laughs) like anyway yeah um like corporate evil (laughs) (laughs) but like they they don't even think like what if he's like you know too fucked up to function when we bring him out from the underworld
1: yeah you know he actually looks remarkably good when he crawls out of the stone like he's a little dusty yeah but it's like
0: really well placed sexy dirt like yeah the the makeup department knows what they're working with with cody christian and they're not denying the audience the opportunity to look at that face
1: they came in and smudged some dirt on his cheekbones and we're like you're good
0: yeah they actually did sort of some (laughs) contouring with the dirt exactly Yeah, yeah um yeah and
1: i i think more than anything it when you are feeling desperate and you have a plan it is less because you think that that is a good plan and more the idea that you have to do something totally and yeah. on top of all of that the fact that they run into mr douglas theoretically trying to do the same thing because it's implied that he's making a lightning rod mm-hmm. basically um i think having another adult trying to do what they're doing lends legitimacy to their idea, Mm -hmm. whether or not that is earned at all. Because again, they just trust him willy nilly. Teenagers don't know that adults have no idea what they're doing, you know? They really don't. Um, But I just find it interesting that Liam is Scott's beta and they just went through all of this shit together and they're trusting another Adults, they don't really know who is brand new to Beacon Hills, um, and but that but that is what desperation will make you do.
0: Totally, I agree. Yeah, I think they're acting totally irrationally. I think that they think their only course of action is to take action, which all of this could have waited, by the way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and left to their own devices, they um, behave in a sort of immature manner, and I think that that is obviously going to brings. Full circle back to the end of this episode where mm-hmm. Scott and Malia are like, "Uh, that dude should be dead." <laughs> yeah, it's I interesting. Mean, um, shall we talk about Scott and Malia and Lydia?
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, I think my favorite part of this episode, to mm-hmm. be sure,
0: is them all in Canaan together. I mean delicious so good the one thing i really disliked and i said this to you while we were watching is that they removed the color saturation Mm -hmm. from the um town from all of Mm -hmm. those shots and while i will say this i understand that it was about sucking the life out of the town i think it would have been more affecting effective to see just how overgrown and like you know like the sort of like apocalyptic idea that like when humans not around life perseveres in whatever way it can. And I would love, love to see like all of the foliage and the trees like overtaking houses and stuff. And when you grayscale that you don't get that as much. Um, I understand the artistic decision. I just disagree with it. I understand what you're saying, but I do actually appreciate
1: that that feels kind of like continuity from the train station and from like the way station where everybody gets sent um, because it's not like real, it's not the real world anymore.
0: I'll tell you what, like if we're going <laughs> to, if we, if there's a moment to call out continuity and appreciate it in Teen Wolf, we might as well do it because it doesn't happen often. Yeah. Two thumbs up yeah. for that. Uh, it's very consistent. It is. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I thought was really interesting is they go to Canaan with like no plan they're just like we found it on a map let's just go and again that suggests to me a similar type of desperation that liam and hayden are feeling like the only course of action is to take action Mm -hmm. and it's not like doing any strategic planning trying to find out anything else about canaan doing whatever like doing you know some like reconnaissance about the town they don't do any of that and well they try and they can't find no but i mean like they don't go and like observe the, oh, the surrounding yeah. area I'm sure not, like, <laughs> yeah I'm okay. in the war war the uh, way um they just are like we have to go because that's what we're going off of and I think part of that stems from the conversation that Scott has with the sheriff mm-hmm. where he's like fine if nobody else believes me I have two people who do and we're gonna do something about it yeah
1: um I mean I think people can get desperate from a lack of information which is what they're working from because the last conversation that they had with styles, he just told them to remember Kanan, Mm -hmm. um, which is not helpful. He didn't tell them why. And, that's also tied up in the part of their conversation where Scott's like, where are you? We'll come find you. We'll come find you. And and Styles says, no, you can't, but you have to remember this town. I think perhaps subconsciously they're making the connection that like Styles must be there or Kanan is a way to get to him. Um, and that's like kind of the line of questioning that they take with Lenore. Um And it comes to nothing because they haven't really put any thought into if there is a survivor um, in this town, what would they know? Yeah. Um,
0: Or what would they do if they found someone there, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Not Not that I think that Scott and Malia have any idea of what they're walking into. Like, obviously, Lydia. Or, you know, maybe Lydia doesn't really think that what she's seeing, what she saw was true or that, that that's what they were going to find
1: well she only saw the event of everybody being taken she mm-hmm. didn't really see the aftermath and what it looked like when that was all over so i don't think she really knew either yeah um except that she had seen that one specific woman who had appeared to her in the mirror
0: yeah lenore and brought her through yeah so we have scott and malia and lydia who act on desperation to get to canaan they show up And then they are um, confronted with some of their, well, at least Scott and Melia are confronted with some of their worst feelings, like the things that would make them feel most desperate. And like, it's about losing like loved ones, which obviously like makes you erratic and crazy and like have to do things. So they're already on edge before we even meet Lenore, who is obviously the strongest representation of desperation in this episode yeah, I think Lenore is an incredible day player. I really like mm-hmm. that actress. There's some directing choices I didn't particularly like. um, but I think that it's really interesting that they're all feeling this way and they're all of a sudden confronted with the embodiment of it.
1: yeah. um, the fact that Lenore's, I would almost say grief, um,
0: oh, it's grief, totally
1: her grief manifests in such a physical way because like they have all, I think at this point experienced uh, or known that Lydia can produce, um, like physicality, Mm -hmm. uh, from her bansheeness. Like they feel the effect. Yeah. When she screams and, and things like that. And, um, So they're aware of it, but they are so not expecting it from her. And uh, when they are trying to push and trying to ask questions and really poking and prodding at something that is clearly so fresh for Lenore, even though it's been 30 years... um, and you add on to that the fact that like she's so um desperate for connection and here come these three strangers and all they want to know about is how people disappeared it's really disorienting for everyone in the scene and especially like the way that it's shot and all of the like physical ramifications that people are experiencing it's really interesting to watch
0: well i think you know bringing up what you said about bringing in these strangers um it's an incredible um, depiction of how loneliness breeds desperation and how mm-hmm. she has been so uh, almost in denial about what's happened to her for so long that she doesn't even recognize how long it's been since she's seen another person and she's willing to bring anyone into her home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when she, there's that scene where she wipes the dust away from the mirror and she asks Lydia, How long have I been like this? or How long has it been like this? and Lydia's like, um, 30 years. That's really incredible to think that she hasn't been able to process this because she has been so desperate to both deny the past and reach out for people uh, in this way, which is why obviously Caleb was brought back. Because I think we both know that like Caleb wasn't brought back by the Ghostwriters; he was brought back by her being a banshee.
1: Um. Well, he's also not real. No, no yeah, I didn't like mean her, like. Yeah, he's he, he's a. He is a manifestation of her power in some way. Yes. Yes,
0: Yeah. He is not like a zombie. No. (laughs) Um, You know, she is like desperate to cope with what happened to her. Also desperate to deny it. um, And that leads her to this situation, which at first doesn't seem too threatening to um, Scott and Lydia and Malia. But if Caleb is willing to kill scott and malia that means that lenore is willing to kill them to have them like stay with her basically mm-hmm. um there is this quote and i hate that i'm saying this there's this quote from jeffrey dahmer that was like he was like my only motivation was to keep people close mm-hmm. and that's a little bit what it feels like right
1: kind of i mean especially because lenore is a banshee and they she brought caleb back Who's to say that, like, if Scott and Malia drown in that room that she can't just keep them around in whatever way that she keeps Caleb around? Mm -hmm. Um, And in part, I think the reason that... Not in part. I mean, the majority of the reason that she doesn't is because she is confronted by Lydia, who's literally just begging her to let them all go. Mm -hmm. And not because she want like yes Lydia wants her friends to live but I also think that there is this real desperation as Lydia is starting to realize that she will be the only one left
0: terrifying. which is
1: horrifying. horrifying she's seeing her future in Lenore and she knows that if she doesn't get Scott and Malia back they're never going to be able to save their friends and fix whatever's going on which is they might not be able to do anyway, but the idea that uh, it could end right there and then, and Lydia, the only thing that she can do going forward is just watch people be taken from her, it would put you in such a state of desperation that you would do and say anything to get her to give your, your friends back.
0: Yeah, I will also say, I think you raise an interesting point about watching people being taken it reflects sort of a really interesting contrast in the desperation of human nature because sort of like this is talked about a lot in like terms of like people surviving incredible like hardships. And I don't mean like personal hardships. I mean like when people like fight their way out of like forests and stuff that they were lost in, like Mm -hmm. the human's instinct is to survive. So Lydia is both being dealt her own personal human instinct that you have to live. I've got to live. She's been live. She's lived this whole time, which is crazy. It is. She lived bitch baked into her DNA. <laughs> yeah. And also being confronted with the fact that if she does survive, that's it. She's the only one, you know, mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting, um, negotiation between those two things that she's dealing with in this episode. And that's why she brings it up when Molly asks her what's wrong, which I really liked that scene. I wish it was longer. Mm-hmm. I love when the girls get to chitty chat about anything.
1: Yeah, let them talk to each other. God.
0: Especially because the dynamic between Lydia and Malia is so underexplored. And it would be so cool to bring up in every episode. Because Lydia is like, for lack of a better word, like put together socially. Yeah. She has like a very constructed way of how she interacts with the world. And Malia obviously doesn't. And I think they would both benefit from not having that. Yeah,
1: Malia's is her feral little sister. Yes, it's great. It's great. I love seeing the two of them together.
0: Yeah. So we sort of see a projection of Lenora's desperation and Lydia projected elsewhere. It's really interesting. Um, do you want to talk about Chris and Malia and, and Malia and Melissa? Uh, yeah,
1: let's. Di- they are
0: so flirting. They're he is dying. He is dying. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. no. I don't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that means nothing. That means nothing. They're flirting.
1: Um, but Melissa, once again, as I assume is just going to continue happening for the rest of her goddamn life, Mm -hmm. is faced with a situation where, um, she could possibly get fired for whatever she's about to do, but she is a protector of Beacon Hills and of the supernatural and of her children. And, um, I say children, they're all her children. Um, they were all my sons. (laughs) exactly um Arthur Miller predicted this. Melissa McCall specifically. specifically um but she also I just think really doesn't want Chris to die which I understand um so much so that she's willing to like go out and collect all of these things, which, oh my God, how pretentious is it that he only knows the Celtic names for them? I don't know. It's probably in
0: like the bestiary or whatever. I fucking guess. I really think they should have at some point brought back the bestiality joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the t- just in honor of Allison's memory in this season, some point. Rip. Um, Literally. Yeah. She, Melissa. Allison. I was like, we are seasons away from that. No,
1: can't, can't do it. Um, but Melissa is like desperate enough to put her trust one in herself of understanding what the hell Chris is actually, no, it's all in herself because she has to understand what Chris is telling her. And then she has to put all of that together in the right manner and then add honey, which she, she can't figure out. To begin with. Yeah. Um, and she has to do all of that. And even even if she does it all, he still might die.
0: Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. When was the last time you saw a Gen Xer Google something with that efficiency? <laughs> <laughs> no shade, man. I grew up with the internet. That's why I'm so good at it. But like, you will literally watch somebody who is like 40 type very slowly on their phone. And you're like... Dude,
1: I don't know. I had Babe. to teach someone in the same generation as me how to use um like the scheduling function on Outlook. So <laughs> like
0: how you said as me, as if we're not the same generation.
1: Talking <laughs> so, about a personal experience. The same generation as we are. Yeah. Millennials. A millennial. Um, who and people who've been working in like admin for fucking ever, how to use the scheduling function in Outlook calendar. So I don't know. I think it it really is just a a spectrum
0: okay you're right of she, understanding melissa is a with it lady you know
1: yeah i mean they've also had those like product placement phones for a while so that, she i'm sure just had a lot of practice
0: that's true you know Looking i don't that. i don't think of her as a facebook mom you know no probably no. not she's busy and also has no does not have time to fight with anti-vaxxers she
1: is a nurse yeah
0: yeah. Although, did you see that statistic about how like 90% of doctors are vaccinated, but only 50% of nurses, which is like banana pants. I also feel like, and I can't prove that, I actually am sure that somebody else has proved this and I'm just like
1: thinking about it, but I feel like the nurse to MLM pipeline is real. It
0: totally is. Yeah. And that has to be part of it. I also think am suggest something pretty violent about nurse salaries in our country.
1: Mm-hmm. Well- yeah, I think so many people who get, like, sucked into things like MLMs, it's just not your fault. Yeah. Because it's indicative of a larger problem. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Totally. Cult behavior, financial instability. Exactly. Misinformation campaigns. Anyway, the point is, Melissa would, would totally 108% be vaccinated and would not be in an MLM. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. And she knows how to Google. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, so it's... You know, Chris and Melissa are just in the season starting their flirtation ship, but they have, have they slept together? Um, totally. Totally. No, 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 no. totally. I mean, like, this is the first time it's been, like, romantic. Yeah, no, I think that they've slept <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. For sure. No, they definitely have. Um, but Chris, uh, it, it, to not be like, call your son to help yeah. to get this to happen. Because Chris, as she says, as she mentions when she's like, nobody calls you by your first name. Has um, what would you trust issues? It, como se dice. como se dice trust issues. It is an act of desperation to be like, get your phone out and Google this Celtic. Sorry, I don't know. Which is funny because it's like, oh, he only knows them in Celtic. That means he doesn't know what they are. He just memorized them for some sort of haunting ritual. And well, okay. The other thing that's funny to me about that, yeah,
1: is that he is dying. I really feel like that's one of the highest levels of desperation a human being could be at. Uh huh. Not only does he not say to her, call your son, but he also doesn't say, call my dad. Yeah. Who, that's fine. I didn't want to see Gerard. But like, even on his deathbed, if it doesn't involve some elaborate triple cross, he's, he will not ask you yeah. to call his dad.
0: So it's funny because I think that would even mean that he is um, subverting desperation, he's like, I'm actually putting the onus on the person who is nearest to me instead of like acting in some crazy, stupid way, because I think that that is going to be the person who can help me the best. He's just like, Melissa, you're capable. I've seen you handle this. You look great in your pink scrubs. Please find me the herbs.
1: And at the end of the day, you are a warm body with a brain.
0: Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's all you need. It's literally... <laughs> it's actually the recruiting statement of temp (laughs) agencies yeah oh yeah
1: do you have an undergraduate degree are you uh an evolved simian congratulations welcome (laughs) aboard yeah you have opposable thumbs you're gonna do great
0: yeah um so yeah, I mean like as much as it is an it's it would have been a greater act of desperation, maybe, to be like, call my dad, call Scott. But no, he is actually maybe on his deathbed thinking the most logically <laughs> of anybody else in this episode.
1: Which is crazy to think that there's like a level of desperation
0: beyond almost dying. Oh my god, yeah. But also if anybody can like decide not to engage in death desperation it would be chris argent he's like oh no i've compartmentalized that that's true we've we processed it we've moved yeah. on um, um i think we've moved on are you ready to move to q's and o's let's do it all right do you have any questions um i do okay i do go ahead What the fuck is deaton
1: where is he Literally, did he get taken by he? the hunt he was in
0: like one episode and then decided never to show back up again. it would
1: be ridiculous if he were taken by the hunt and we didn't actually see it that's so stupid. Um, okay. Here, here's just like a theoretical question. No. Uh-huh. Um. Those are actually the ones
0: I'm the best at answering, so.
1: Yeah. Um, when Lenore, when they're talking to Lenore, she's like, people have been leaving Canaan for a long time.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I'm just wondering,
0: how long do you think a wild hunt usually lasts? Je ne sais pas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Translation. Um, Theo says something interesting that says they're stuck there Mm -hmm. I have no idea I mean like I'm actually a little bit like is this the explanation for why all these people who used to be on the show just never showed back up again (laughs) like Danny (laughs) um I miss you Danny um but I have no idea I can't answer that I think I like the idea of it being sort of like a um I do like the idea of it being a ghost town situation or like how people just start to leave towns when Mm -hmm. prosperity starts to lessen. And obviously, like if you remove people, the prosperity of your town lessens anyway. And it's sort of a cyclical factor. I think there's something interesting to be discussed there about actual ghost towns Mm -hmm. and then boom towns and stuff and how that they end up um, fading.
1: Yeah, I I do too. I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment. Yep. Um, Do you have any questions? No. No. Why do we even do that (laughs) section?
0: So I can like wax poetic about whatever you said. (laughs) Why do we even have that lever? Why do we even have that lever? Uh, yeah. I don't know. No. Do you have any observations? I have a lot, actually. I really liked this episode. I had a great
1: time. Um, I really love, I mean, there's just the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. Um, I love any imagery of people like going through a mirror. I think it's like super fun. Um, and Lydia, like going out into the past. I love that there's randomly a carousel in the middle of this street. Um
0: okay, it just stays I, there. It's funny, the carousel, really the carousel. Mm-hmm. I love the blood on the carousel. The first time the horse goes around, why is it still there? Why is it still shiny? No, no, no yeah. the blood would probably still be there cuz the carousel is covered. Why yeah. is the it should just be brown. It's it, yeah, that's how blood dries.
1: It should just be brown. It's also just like a very nice carousel to have been set up randomly in the middle of the street for a block party. Um but I do like it.
0: I think it wasn't it a holiday party. I don't think it was just a black party. I think it was like, the uh, towns. like a
1: community party. I think that's what the sign said. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, uh, we already talked about how weird it is that they just like randomly trust um, that teacher. But I do actually think that I don't know, for, as much as I hate Mr. Douglas and the fucking Nazi werewolf, I do think that this is pretty good track laying because he is doing that like really specifically to manipulate them. He overhears them talking mm-hmm. about their plan and positions himself to be asked and to be brought into the fold. Yeah. And they just
0: kind of go with it. Well, I think it reflects an intelligence of villain we haven't seen in a while. So, uh, so yeah, you're like, okay. Um, I really liked the hallucinations,
1: um, because it felt like a callback to Lydia's party in season two. Totally. Um, and I, I love that. Um, made me sad that there was no Corey and Mason. Um, and I, I really like the reference to the Morgan, um, the original banshee basically mm-hmm. in celtic mythology and it does make me wonder like would the show have been less problematic and better if it had just stayed in celtic mythology i don't actually know it's a thought that i have um but i really liked all the banshee stuff in this episode
0: well i think it reflect it reflects a time of the show that wasn't like a lot of the banshee stuff is sort of so much more general than like weird like hyper specific stuff they get in other mythologies that sort of Mm -hmm. get them into trouble yeah you know because there's like the wailing woman is not exclusively a celtic thing but it is interesting that that's the route they took whereas like skinwalkers are traceable to one culture and you had a google and you didn't use it so Mm -hmm. um any others No, I think that's, I think that's it. Just it. It spawned
1: a lot of thought for me and not in the way where it's like, oh, I'm never going to get answers to these questions and that frustrates me, Mm -hmm. but like, it's a fun
0: thought experiment. (laughs) The Teen Wolf Rewolf, a fun (laughs) thought experiment.
1: Yes. How about you? What were your observations about this episode?
0: I right. let talk about the blood and the carousel. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that Kanan reminds me of Spectre from Big Fish. Mm -hmm. Um, which you've never seen Big Fish, right? I don't think so. Okay. Well, in Big Fish, there's like a town called Spectre. And before the highway runs through it, it's like a town with no roads and there's grass everywhere and everyone walks around bare feet and it's like beautiful. And then when the highway runs through it, it's a like, then when the highway diverts like all roads, it like turns into a total ghost town. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it felt like because it's secluded, because no one can get to it, no one thinks about it. That's what it reminded me of. Um... I already talked about the reduced saturation. Oh, my God, the lemonade bit when Malia just <laughs> chugs that lemonade. is one of my favorite physical jokes in Teen Wolf. Malia is so funny, and she was so funny several times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, when Scott's trying to get out of Lenore's house, she's like, you're a werewolf. Open the door. Or, I, alternatively, she's like, I know
1: you will not beat the shit out of an eight-year-old, but I will. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. And it's funny because, like, without Styles, we clearly lose a big... Um, humor point in our show Mm -hmm. I think Shelly Hennig does a really good job of trying to of being able to balance where she can I agree Um, they don't always give her the most to do and when they do I'm just like yeah give her more lines she's so funny and she's so cute um I really liked that scene um where Melissa's like you don't even let people you don't even go by your first name not only for like sort of trust reasons that we said but just because it sort of demonstrates how isolated chris has made himself um over the years Mm -hmm. to deal with the fact that he's had like suffered insurmountable loss yeah um but i like the idea that it would occur to her that he wouldn't call her a nickname because he doesn't get close to people in that way
1: yeah they don't have that kind of familiarity
0: or no i don't i think that it that is the familiarity i think Mm -hmm. she's like you don't get close to that people in that way and I know you well enough to recognize that. So I liked mm-hmm. that because I was like, they're flirting. Um. Oh, Liam's hair was slicked back in this episode. And, and that I didn't really bothered it. you. Yeah, I didn't like it.
1: I liked it. He looks like a little redheaded greaser with his little, like. <laughs> his hair is not red, percent. It's reddish. It's a little auburny. I, I liked it. I liked his little jacket. Yeah. I liked seeing Noshiko. Actually, that's. Um, I think we said that, but I wanted to reiterate because um, where has she been?
0: I like seeing Nishiko too. And we didn't really get into this all that that much, but I think the final scene of this episode is really effective where uh, the sheriff rips away the wallpaper. Yeah, uh, we didn't really talk about it at all. Um, It wasn't a massive part of this episode. I mean, I didn't feel like it needed to be a major part of our conversation, but like...
1: Well, he's coming around because he says to Claudia... They should write a like a paper about you because you beat frontotemporal dementia, which is beat in air quotes because she's had it for ten years and she's still alive, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and after seeing his like little tête-à-tête with Scott at the beginning of this episode, where he's like, "Scott, you're being crazy. This isn't real." Um, that was that was nice for me personally to mm-hmm. see him coming around. Yeah um and i i I like the camera angle of like having the camera behind the wallpaper and like he's actually making some sort of revelation as it's happening yeah yeah it's cool
0: it was good the sheriff is desperate both to not upset the status quo because of the way that it benefits him but also to disrupt it because of the way that he needs his son Mm -hmm. um which is one of the most effective parts of this season i think um i think that wraps it up yeah yeah uh do you want to give us our pack stats
1: Again, minimal this Fine week. Fine by me. Um, we had two eyes, a claws because Theo shows out.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: everybody kept their shirts on. People were wet, but I, that does not count. No. Um, Lydia drives a Toyota. And do you
0: have nightmares about rooms filling with water?
1: No. Okay, never mind. I actually don't like have drowning nightmares in general. Like if I'm underwater in dreams,
0: I always know that I can breathe. That's never a nightmare for me. I. Love being in water. Mm-hmm. I love swimming. I'm a great swimmer. Where mm-hmm. do I get those nightmares from? Hello? I don't know. Do you have falling nightmares?
1: Uh, Yes. But I usually...
0: Like they don't, they don't really scare me. I know I'm going to wake up. Yeah. It's weird. Um, do you get the teeth dreams? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. My teeth fall out every time I fall asleep.
1: It's not even that they
0: fall out. Is it like people are taking them out? That's the worst one. Oh, I don't get that. It's like, it's usually a thing where I like, I'll feel my teeth falling out and then I'll be like, Oh, no one can know. (laughs) And so I like, I'm trying to hide the fact that my teeth yeah. Well, I did have a moment when I was, like, 16 when I had to get four
1: teeth pulled on the same day because, like, Mm -hmm. I just didn't have enough room in my mouth for them. Yeah, missing a bunch of adult teeth. Yeah. Um, So, I think that, like, I also had walking pneumonia at the time. So, like, that was just a really traumatic
0: day for me. So, I think when I have nightmares about teeth, I'm like, they all got to come out. (laughs) There's just something about being 16 where trauma hits so much harder. True. Where do we leave off? Um,
1: The sirens. I heard one very faintly. I don't know if it'll show up but there was one
0: trust us there was a fire Um, somewhere
1: a fire somewhere there's guys there's construction happening outside our apartment now sirens we just really got it going
0: yeah we do uh do you have an alpha of the week
1: my alpha of the week is lydia melissa she saves chris she does save chris lydia figures some shit out
0: yeah let's let's do it let's do a, a tie for the girlies for the girls. Yeah. Except for
1: not Hayden. She didn't do it. She actually actively did not help.
0: Yeah. Malia didn't help either. She was just funny. So it's yeah. going to go to Melissa and Lydia. Yeah. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, if you liked this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf Wolf underscore WeWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on um, Tumblr, Teen Wolf, Re-Wolf, Our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Re-Wolf Podcast. If you really liked this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave us five stars in a review, we read it out loud. We do some commentary. We... Sh- Tweet at you if you stare your Twitter handle. And if you really, really like this podcast, you guys can buy us coffee KO-FI.com forward slash Daniel FreeWolf. You can also buy our stickers on Redbubble. Redbubble.com forward slash Daniel FreeWolf. Other than that, I've been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of week.
1: Uh a-
0: woo. woo!